All right. I'm here with Francis Martineau. Uh, he's somebody that I've known for a long time and somebody who's really a unique and special person. And he's written this book called Paddywhack. And uh, first of all, I think everybody would benefit if they could just learn a little bit more about who Francis is. And I think it'll enrich the book that much more. So, Francis, hello. Hello there. I'm here. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Some maybe biographical details. Where were you born? Well, I was actually born in England, which I'm not particularly happy about. But um, nine months after I was born, my father just happened to be in England on his work. And uh, within nine months, I was back in Scotland where I was brought up and where I belong and where my blood comes from. Um, and I was brought up um, in the borders of Scotland mostly, although this book is about my life between the ages of five and seven, which was a very particular time because it takes in the last year of the war and the first year after the war. And this was a very... Um, how can I say, restrictive time for a lot of people. Not only were people exhausted from six years of war, but the rationing made it very difficult for people to keep going and get enough to eat and basics of that kind. And what I try to do in this book is to get into what it was like to be a boy between five and seven years old. Having this happen around me, not really aware, of course, at that age, of the extent of people's anxiety, depression, but how it actually did affect my life and how it, how it just unfolded at that time. But it's also a very important period because it was really the only two years that I had a certain freedom to develop who I was because by the age of seven I was in boarding school. One boarding school until 13, second boarding school till 18, and very short holidays between. And the restriction of that really interfered, I believe, with the development that began between five and seven. I am and was a very intuitive child who worked from the intuitive base, and boarding school was the worst possible place for that to operate. And um, certainly this book gives the intuitive part and ends actually with arrival in boarding school and the sense of that part of me really being cut off. And I'm interested in this character of, of the boy. The things that I really pick up from him is this intense sensitivity and a longing for touch, connection, all of these things which seem to be generally not available for him in this world. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yes, that's a very good one because it is that is really the heart, in a way, of the book, is that sensitivity and how how difficult it was for the boy to deal with his own sensitivity. But I would say counter to that, that the mother, his mother, definitely had a a warmth to her and a caring. It was not a kind of a neglect. It was more like a, a, a need for understanding of how afraid he was in situations that for him seemed very dangerous. And the mother, although very warm and embracing in a way, physically, which he needed, had absolutely no tolerance for this fear because she had wiped away the possibility of being afraid. Um, and the war had basically done that to her, or I should say the two wars, had made her into this person who was determined not ever to show fear or be afraid. And for the boy, who was afraid a lot of the time, this was the most difficult problem. My own sense, I mean, this is a much more advanced psychological look at it, is that um, the boy was actually had that sensitivity that the mother had lost through her own need to be strong and to, and uh, you know, she was married to someone who needed looking after and who wasn't really very strong himself. So she took all the strength upon herself and hardened herself in order to do that. And that hardness is what the boy has to deal with. So maybe this would be a good point to circle back a bit to Paddywhack and the genesis of Paddywhack Ah. and where you were when you started getting that feeling that this was something that Mm -hmm. needed to be written. Very good. You see, for that time in my 50s and even into my 60s, music completely took over because I, I realized now I'd got it. I had to absolutely get it back into the forefront. Um, that I didn't write at all. I wrote journal, but that was all. I didn't write, I didn't think of it as writing, you know, for the public or anything like that. And then I went for a seven-month stay with my niece, who was pregnant at the time, and I wanted to really help her in the process. Um, I went to Scotland and um, got back in touch with that gray, awful weather that is, well, it was a summer, but you'd never think it was a summer. And it, it at first really got me down. It was really difficult. And then I realized that this was one of the causes of being so depressed as a child and why everyone else was so depressed, maybe. But certainly for me, it, was, it got me back into that sense of a really limited kind of life as if that gray bank of clouds sort of closed you in and, you know, going riding in all this mud, you know, and very little sunshine. So anyway, all this came back to me, and I began to write the beginning of Paddywhack without knowing I was doing it, um, writing about what that weather was like and how I felt. And then all these memories began to come back, and that just set it going. And what was that like? How did that feel when you were there? It was it was not pleasant, you know, and, and it was like I thought, oh, what have I done? You know, I know I, I love my niece dearly and I would like to help her, but I'm not going to help her much in this state, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but once I got to write about it 
it sort of cleared it, and that was really interesting in itself. And I was able to sort of get my energy back. Hmm. And then this book was beginning, and I thought, ooh, all right, I'll take that as a deal. <laughs> right, because so much of this book is is not just processing what it was like to be a boy under those circumstances, but as you said, what it must have been like to be the people around the boy in those circumstances. Exactly. exactly. Was there something therapeutic about taking that broader perspective? Yes, there definitely was. And it was very particularly my mother's state of mind that I wanted to get. And that's why I began. And that came quite quickly, actually, after, you know, after I began to write about the boy at that age. Uh, the, the mother's diary was like a flash of inspiration. And I thought, oh, wow, that would be a way. If I imagined she was writing a diary, which I don't think she did, you know, and what she would be talking about to herself that would give the inner sense of her strain, because I do think it was. She was a remarkable woman, very strong and very talented also. But she took on an enormous burden, uh, which, which was the result, I think, of her dying very early of cancer. Um, so I've always been with that early death of hers and wondering, wow, I think she just absolutely wore herself out and mm. didn't know when to stop. Then um, it wasn't until quite a bit later that this, oh, yes, I remember. I went to see, at the same visit, I went to visit um, the woman. <laughs> uh, she's my Aunt Allison, but she's Gillian in the book, the one who was the champion jockey. And I, I went to visit her and had an extraordinary day with her, which fed into her being a major part of the book, where she, and I, this is quite unexpected, she spent a whole day telling me the story of her life. And she was very unhappy with her life. She felt she'd made all sorts of wrong decisions. And I became, it was almost like a confessional in a way, that I became the recipient of that. But it was quite fascinating because it's a very interesting life. But one of the things she told me was about this cousin of mine who had, in the middle of the war, got pregnant with this South African uh, officer. I make, him, I make him Australia, Australian, because I know Australia. I don't know South Africa. Um, but she told me this, and, you know, and I was just intrigued by the story, which what, what she told me was that she got pregnant, the guy disappeared, and then she had an uncle. The family was absolutely appalled, her mother and father. But her uncle, who loved her a lot, went in search of the man. He was a high military ranking person. And uh, he went and was absolutely determined to find this man. And he found him. And he faced him with the fact that his niece was pregnant. And what was he going to do about it? I don't know what the result was, except that they did get together, they did get married, and they went back to South Africa after the war um, with her child. And this all absolutely intrigued me. Um, and I thought to myself, well, they must have had some kind of correspondence over all this. So out of that came this exchange of letters, which is a, a, a really major part of the book. As I wrote the book, I realized more and more just how much that affected my childhood because everyone was absolutely in that state of exhaustion. And also depression and a feeling of, um, you know, it, it, 
what a terrible thing it had been and nobody could avoid it. Yeah, it's interesting. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think oftentimes when we imagine wartime, we just imagine that all life stops and that nothing could possibly be going on Uh uh outside of the war. But to get this perspective from the eyes of a boy, especially, who doesn't really know what's going on. Right. And who is just living his life as best he can, Mm -hmm. as as if things were normal. And in a way, for him, this is normal, right? Absolutely. He doesn't know any other. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite right. And that is really the heart of the book you've put right there, is that sense of of living in something, and you don't really know what you're living in, but you know it's, you know, there's something, well, that's life, you know? Yeah. Well, it's it, really not until later that you realize, you know, just how limited it was. Right, and it, it probably extends far past boyhood for, for most of us, right? Yes, yes, I think so. I mean, I believe to be a war baby and not to be a war baby is a whole different thing. Hmm. I really believe that in a way it separates me off in a certain way by having been a child of the war and gives me some kind of, I don't know, different identity, sensibility. It's hard to explain. Hmm. I'm trying to say a little bit more about how it affects who you are at this point. Hmm. I would say, it's interesting that comes up, it's made me not give up under any kind of challenge. That would be the first thing that would come, that it's actually, that's the positive side of it. I always think about my boarding school and the whole thing of that. I could not believe how wonderful life was when I got out. And so, in a way, I got the worst first. Hmm. I got so much limitation so that when I came out the other side, it was like, wow, this is a paradise in comparison. Very so I think it, it's given me what, what, what in Scotland they will call grit. It's given me a real, I don't know, a training in how to stay with things. One of the things about this this podcast is that it has brought together theater, music. My own music is what accompanies this podcast, and um, and the writing, and the three have come together. So that is a, a, a great milestone that they've managed to join in this particular project. Now, yeah. one of the question I had was, how, what went into the decision of writing it all from a third person perspective? Ah, that's a good one. Um, I wanted to make sure I didn't get too emotionally involved in a way that I couldn't write about it. And I wanted that distance from the boy in order to really um, be able to place him right. I didn't worry about the mother. I wanted inside the mother. I was already, shall I say, too much inside the boy. And I wanted that, I needed that distance for the writing purpose. For the mother, it was the opposite, that I'd never tried to get inside her that way and was very keen to do so and got more and more involved in doing that as memories of what she told me came up, things that I'd completely forgotten about. Because the boy did have 
from certainly from the mother a definite sense of um, of warmth and being cared for, mm-hmm. and that should come across in a way. In a way, that book is a tribute to my mother. You know. who I loved very dearly. Yeah. And for all her fearlessness and her, you know, and her own version of brutality, she was the most extraordinary woman. And I was very lucky to have a mother like that. No question. Father, totally other thing. But the mother, oh yeah. I wouldn't swap her. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I think that does come across. Good. I hope it does. I hope it does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually one of the tricky things was making sure I didn't make her ideal in any way, you know, but also gave me a sense of what an extraordinary woman she was, but also how she had sides to her that, woo, you know, were really hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And was the process of writing this, in a way, a way for you to reconnect with her? Yes, in a way, I think probably the largest psychological process in the book was really getting into the inside of my mother and really understanding her more so that I could accept her as a whole. You know what I mean? There was a time when I went through, I thought that she really was just brutal with me. And in a way, uh, the book really put me right there and just got inside of her, and I got to say she did an amazing job, given the circumstances. And she kept life going, you know what I mean? A lot of people were dead beat at that time, at the end of the war, and she was not going to give up. You know, she's not going to give up, sort of constantly introducing new things. Oh, we'll go for holiday up here, and we'll take the ponies, and we'll take, you know, and this, and for the boy, it was like, oh, my God, give me a rest, you know what I mean? But she, no, no stopping her. No stopping her. It was that grit that you mentioned. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I can see, you know, with my father being the very confused and, you know, in a way, you know, neurotic man that he was, you know, that, ooh, she had a lot to deal with there. You know, she really did in, in being able to keep that marriage stable. And, and, it, and she did, and to keep it so that it really had a going thing for it. No. No, that was a real service to me, the book did, was to do that for me and my mother. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I think that's probably a really nice place to close out. Good, I think that's a good one. Yeah. Good. And, yeah, very lovely talking to you, as always. Very good. And, yeah, I hope everybody enjoys the book and enjoys you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Francis.